0: Welcome to the International Trade Minute, quickfire trade news, where time is trade. We are your go to podcast for rapid and concise updates on trade and law, designed specifically for busy trade professionals. Sponsored by Rydell Law Firm and prepared by seasoned trade attorneys, our twice weekly podcast packages your essential trade updates, all in the time it takes to enjoy your coffee break. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and join the conversation with a network of like-minded professionals on LinkedIn. Where time is trade, make every minute count. In today's episode, we're shining a light on pivotal stories that are shaping policies, practices, and perceptions in global trade. Let's get started.
1: First up, we're diving into a story that's as compelling as it is concerning. It's about how one of the world's largest economies is using crafty tactics to evade labor laws. The spotlight today is on China where an alarming trend is emerging. Researchers have uncovered sophisticated methods being used to obscure supply chains, effectively sidestepping forced labor laws. Our story comes from Yalkin Uluyal, a diligent researcher at the Forced Labor Lab at Sheffield Hallam University, who's shedding light on some rather dark practices. China's approach? A combination of heavy censorship and information restriction. Manufacturers within the country are altering subsidiary titles, making it nearly impossible to trace links back to Xinjiang a region shadowed by controversy over its labor practices. But it doesn't stop there. The digital footprint of these activities, including news and social media posts about labor transfer programs and forced labor, are systematically erased. And if that's not enough, the Chinese government's anti-espionage law is being wielded like a sword. It's not just about protecting state secrets. This law is used to dig up data on suppliers and even customers. This information is then weaponized to intimidate workers and control the narrative coming out of the Uyghur region. Chloe Cranston from Anti-Slavery International brings another dimension to this story, highlighting the ineffectiveness of the usual checks and balances. Audits, which should provide transparency, have become more of a mirage. The government's intimidation tactics significantly limit the efficacy of these independent audits. But here's where the plot thickens. China's enterprises aren't just covering their tracks at home— They're rerouting their products through other Asian countries like Cambodia or Vietnam. It's a strategic move to mask their activities in the Uyghur region, making it even harder for the international community to trace products back to forced labor. The call to action from Chloe Cranston is clear. Desk-based due diligence is no longer enough. Without stronger regulation, countries like the U.K. risk becoming a dumping ground for products made with forced labor, providing a safe haven for companies that turn a blind eye to human rights abuses. It's a complex issue, layered with deception and hidden truths. But awareness is the first step towards change. By standing for transparency and encouraging strict regulations, we can begin to peel back these layers and champion human rights. On our next story, we delve into a sparkling subject with far-reaching implications, the new U.S. ban on certain Russian diamonds. Starting March 1, the U.S. will implement a significant policy change affecting the diamond industry. Non-industrial diamonds of one carat or greater, mined in Russia but labeled with another country of origin, will no longer be allowed entry into the US, whether by import or into a foreign trade zone. This decision comes without specific licensing from the Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, which is a critical detail for traders and jewelers alike. It's important to understand the backdrop here. Rough diamonds undergo a substantial transformation when they are polished or cut. While Russia is a key player in mining, most of the world's diamonds are polished and cut in India, making this a global supply chain issue. The restrictions tighten even further come September 1st. Non-industrial diamonds weighing zero, five carats or greater, mined in Russia and polished in India, will be barred from entry into the U.S. This marks a significant escalation in the restrictions placed on the importation of Russian diamonds, But that's not all. OFAC has also announced that beginning March 1st, jewelry and unsorted diamonds of Russian origin are prohibited from entering the U.S., This move is part of the December 2023 G7 commitments to impose phased restrictions on the importation of diamonds mined or extracted in Russia. It's a concerted effort to tighten the economic screws in response to various geopolitical tensions. OFAC has promised to issue additional public guidance regarding these determinations. This is a story that's not just about the glitter of diamonds, but touches on the broader themes of international diplomacy, economic sanctions, and the global trade network. What does this mean for the industry and consumers? For starters, the diamond supply chain is in for a shakeup. Traders and jewelers will need to navigate these new regulations carefully, ensuring compliance to avoid hefty penalties. Consumers might see changes in the availability and prices of diamonds, particularly those of Russian origin. It's a complex issue with layers of economic, ethical, and political implications. As these new policies take effect, We'll be watching closely to see how the global market adapts and what it means for stakeholders across the spectrum. Up next, we're exploring a pivotal ruling that's making waves across the logistics and import sector. The spotlight shines on your special delivery services specialty logistics, more commonly known as YSDS, a logistics provider primarily servicing Wi-Fi service providers by importing crucial Wi-Fi components. However, a recent ruling by Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, has put YSDS in a rather unique position. CBP has determined that YSDS does not meet the necessary criteria to act as the importer of record on a shipment. This decision stems from the fact that while YSDS might have a lien on the shipments it handles, this doesn't equate to a sufficient financial interest in the shipments to grant them the right to make entry. For those unfamiliar with the term, the importer of record is responsible for ensuring that the shipment complies with all laws and regulations before entering the market. This includes paying any duties and taxes owed. It's a role that carries significant responsibility and risk. YSDS argued that their financial interest in the goods in the form of a lien should qualify them. This lien allows them to secure payment obligations from you. S. Based consignees to either YSDS itself or the seller. However, CBP's scrutiny revealed a different story. The agency pointed out that YSDS never assumes title, ownership, or risk of loss for the goods at any point. Their services end once the cargo is released by CBP, illustrating a lack of significant financial nexus with the goods in question. Furthermore, CBP highlighted that YSDS's security interest in the goods is never clearly defined. To be considered as the importer of record, there must be a significant connection between the importer's financial interest and the goods. CBP found YSDS's interest to be more cursory than substantial, with full payment not contingent upon any potential post entry responsibilities. This ruling sheds light on the complexities and legal nuances within international trade, emphasizing the importance of having a clear and substantial financial interest in goods to be deemed the importer of record. YSDS, while pivotal in the logistics chain, aligns more with a nominal consignee than a seller's agent for the purpose of making entry. It's a reminder of the intricate dance between logistics providers, importers, and regulatory bodies, and the ongoing need for clarity in roles and responsibilities. As the global trade landscape continues to evolve, rulings like this play a crucial role in defining the boundaries and expectations for all parties involved. Moving on to our next news, we're tackling an emerging story that has significant implications for the tech industry and national security. The commerce department's proposed know your customer rules for cloud providers in an effort to bolster u.s defenses against cyber attacks and the misuse of artificial intelligence the commerce department is stepping up its game the agency has proposed new rules that would require usa cloud service providers and their foreign resellers to adhere to know your customer or kyc requirements this move aims to prevent foreign malicious cyber actors from leveraging u.s cloud infrastructure to conduct espionage steal intellectual property, and train AI models for cyber attacks on critical U.S. infrastructure. Alan Esteves, Undersecretary of the Bureau of Industry and Security, underscored the importance of this proposal. He stated, Today's rule puts foreign malicious cyber actors on notice that we are taking action to prevent them from using our own cloud infrastructure to undermine our national security interests. This proposal not only seeks to protect national security, but also ensures that the Commerce Department can innovate and protect critical assets. Public comments on these proposed rules are open until April 29th, reflecting the administration's openness to feedback from the tech community and other stakeholders. The interim final rule, published on January 29th, comes amid the Biden administration's heightened efforts to curb China's access to sensitive U.S. Technology for Advanced AI Applications, Reinforcing the Ongoing Strategy of Tightening Export Controls. The KYC rules would compel cloud service providers to verify the identity of foreign persons who sign up for or maintain accounts, requiring the implementation of Customer Identification Programs, or CIPs. These programs are designed to collect specific identifying information about customers, which must then be reported to the Commerce Department. The aim is to craft these programs to be flexible and minimally burdensome, focusing on the unique offerings and customer bases of each service provider. With the potential implementation within a year after the final rule is published, cloud service providers and their resellers are looking at a significant adjustment period. This regulatory step is part of a broader initiative to prevent U, S, infrastructure from being exploited for malicious purposes, including the potential misuse of AI technologies in cyber-enabled activities. The proposed rules also introduce special measures to restrict certain foreign individuals or entities from opening or maintaining accounts with U.S. cloud service providers, especially those located in countries with a history of cyber malfeasance. Moreover, these providers would be required to report transactions involving the training of large AI models with capabilities that could be used in malicious activities. This proposal encompasses a range of other measures, including definitions for terms such as foreign customer, foreign reseller, and large AI model. The Commerce Department is seeking input on its proposed CIP and data collection requirements, among other aspects. Violations of these rules could lead to civil or criminal penalties under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, underscoring the serious nature of these regulations. The implications of these proposed rules are far-reaching, affecting not just the cloud computing industry, but the broader tech ecosystem and national security landscape. As the Commerce Department seeks to navigate these complex waters— The input from public comments will be crucial in shaping the final regulations. In our last story, we're delving into a topic that's on the minds of many in the international business community, the impending regulations on outbound investments and updates to the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, or CFIUS, rules. Jonathan Gaffney, a seasoned foreign investment lawyer at Linklater's, recently shed light on what we can expect in the coming months. Speaking at a virtual event hosted by the American Bar Association, Gaffney highlighted that we're likely to see draft outbound investment regulations issued in the first or second quarter of 2024. These proposed rules, aimed at governing outbound investment prohibitions and notification requirements, could be fast-tracked to take effect by the end of the year after a 30-day comment period and subsequent revisions. The Treasury Department's initiative is particularly focused on certain investments in China's semiconductor, artificial intelligence, and quantum sectors. This move is part of a broader effort to safeguard American intellectual property and sensitive data from foreign malicious cyber actors, especially amidst growing concerns about the theft and espionage activities attributed to these sectors. But, as Gaffney points out, the devil of all this is going to be in the details. Questions abound regarding which specific technologies and investors will be caught in the net of these new rules, and whether indirect you... Investments through non-Chinese companies could also be affected if those entities engage in relevant activities in China. In addition to these outbound investment regulations, Gaffney teased new CFIS rules expected this year, marking the first major updates since the Foreign Investment Risk Review Modernization Act of 2018. These updates could introduce more detailed disclosures in CFIAS filings and possibly expand the definition of critical technologies that fall under CFIAS's jurisdiction for national security reviews. It's clear that these changes are part of a global trend, as other countries ramp up their foreign investment regimes. From the European Union's push for member states to establish FDI screening mechanisms to Singapore's new bill for screening investments critical to national security, the landscape is evolving rapidly, Fraser Malcolm of Blake Cassells and Ninette Dodu of Freshfields also weighed in, noting the significant evolution in how Asia and Canada are treating foreign investments. Canada, for instance, is expected to introduce a mandatory pre closing filing regime similar to CAFIUS, which will affect foreign investments in critical sectors. What does this mean for global investors? A more complex regulatory environment is on the horizon, with a need for heightened diligence and a keen understanding of the multifaceted legal landscape affecting cross-border investments. As these regulatory frameworks continue to take shape, we'll keep you informed on the developments and their implications for the global business community.
0: Thank you for joining us on International Trade Minute, your rapid source of trade updates for busy trade professionals. And we hope to have you back for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe.